This podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official travel partner of the Seahawks. All right, Hawk fans, we are back. It's the weekly Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. Uh, I'm Softy, and he's Hawk Blogger, and we're both here, so I guess we can go ahead and make this work. Uh, but, Brian, I'll tell you what, man, we're hoping to make a win on Saturday work for the Seahawks, too. And I was thinking about this last night. Put the Seahawks into the NFC Championship or the Conference Championship game for the fifth time in franchise history. All right? I mean, before Mike Holmgren showed up here, you and I as Seahawks fans, just had the one game back in 83 against the Raiders, and now we're looking at the idea that they could be in the conference title game for the fifth time in franchise history. Uh, I think every now and then you got to sit back and just kind of appreciate how things have changed for us as Seahawks fans in the last maybe 15 years or so, huh? So true. So true, Softy. You know, anyone who was a Seahawks fan during the 90s and <laughs> – the the Gelbaugh and Stauffer and uh, you know Dan McGuire era you know it, it was tough it was really tough and um, I think people that are Mariners fans can relate you know it, it just feels like you know why even spend the time um, and it feels really different now it definitely yeah. does and yeah. um, there's every reason to think that this this team can can take that next step. Well, there's only been one team besides the Seahawks that have been to the divisional round of the playoffs five years in a row, and that's the Patriots. But I'll tell you what, man, to uh, to get it uh, this weekend and to get to the conference title game, uh, I think we all agree that they're just going to have to come out and play better in the first half. You know, you can talk all you want about the weather and guys being banged up and yada, yada, yada. Hey, man, the bottom line reality is, is that in the last three playoff games, these guys have played on the road. They have not scored a point in the first half. 31-0 to Carolina, 3-0 to Minnesota, down 20-0 to Atlanta in a game you and I were watching together at the Dub Pub. That's 54-0 in the first half combined in the last three games. Uh, Russell Wilson, by the way, in the first half of those games has a quarterback rating of 72.4 in his four playoff games on the road. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about how we're going to avoid this, uh, this hole that we've fallen into the last three or four games on the road. Yeah, it's 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 a absolutely top of mind, and and I think you just mentioned the last three games, which includes Minnesota. If you actually go to the last three divisional road playoff games, it takes you back to Chicago and uh, Pete Carroll's first year after they beat the Saints. That was twenty nothing at halftime. Yeah, right. So their three divisional games have been twenty nothing. What is it? Twenty one nothing and thirty one nothing. Correct. Something like that. Correct. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> so, um, you know, I wrote about this a lot last year, and, and I think a lot of people uh, agree with it. But, you know, if I had one thing to talk about, one thing to talk about with Pete Carroll relative to you know his philosophy and how he works with the, the football team, it would be to ask him why he's so careful with his words, why he chooses to say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And put the emphasis and saying basically saying it doesn't matter how you start, it only matters how you finish. That's you know, that's, that doesn't mesh with always compete. Always compete should mean he wants his team to be the very best team in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. And they just haven't been. And um, so, you know, I think as far as how they get it done this week, you know, it's a tough one. I think in one hand, you know, you really – the run game is just huge. I mean, that's not news to anybody. But the ability to establish the run early in the game when the Falcons are going to be pretty jazzed and, and ready to stop it, that's going to be huge. Um, I think at some point – 
Daryl Bevel, you know, maybe it's a Pete Carroll thing, but I think it's at least a Daryl Bevel thing, has to adjust his approach to the way games start and not just be testing to see how teams are going to react to different formations and plays, but actually try to connect plays together the way someone like Mike Holmgren would to – to get off to a faster start. Yeah, I just uh, I'm, I'm with you on the whole. It's not how you start; it's how you finish thing. I, I, it, it's it's weird because my my head knows that this isn't true, but the emotional fan in me, my heart says that. Well, that almost promotes like laziness in, in the first quarter. That it's okay to fall into a hole because golly, we're going to find a way to get out of it in the second half. And I just think against this offense and in that stadium, uh, you fall into that same hole you were in against Carolina, Atlanta, Chicago. Chicago, you mentioned, uh, you may as well go home. Forget it. You'll be done. So to me, I think there's two real keys. I mean, if I had to, you know, go grab, uh, you know, the sports gods and say, I want you to bless two parts of the Seahawks football team this Saturday with an all world performance, it would be the run game on both sides. Run the ball and take away the run like you did in week six. I think if they can run the ball the way they ran the ball against the Lions, Brian, and they take the run away the way they took it away from Atlanta in week six, I think they win the game. I, I think that's probably right. I, I would. I think that's a, a great two things. I would take the run game on offense, and for me, it's the pass rush on defense. It's, okay. it's really like, you know, it's an either or, six to one, half dozen the other to some extent. But one, I just love watching quarterbacks get slammed. But two, right. um, you know, that has such an impact. I have such trust in the Seahawks run defense. I know that, you know, the Falcons are very good and, and they will probably be a little bit more successful running than they were before, probably. But I don't think that they're going to get run over. I don't think that's going to happen. So really what I want to see is, I mean, that was maybe the best pass rushing game the Seahawks had had all season against the Falcons. They hit Matt Ryan repeatedly and they did it with I can't say for sure that it was their highest percentage of blitzes but softy they blitzed on 50% of their plays that's really, really rare for the Seahawks yeah, defense. That's and, high. And right. Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright were getting home a lot. Hey, by the way, going back to your point, if you include the Chicago game, which I did not in these stats because Russell wasn't there, it really was a different team back then. I mean, for God's sakes, in the Atlanta game in 2012, Leroy Hill was playing in that game. Marcus <laughs> Trufant was playing in that game. I don't Patrick think there's. Guerra. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, Brian, I don't think there's one member of the Seahawks offensive or defensive line left from that team four years ago. And I'm talking about even in the depth, starters or backups. I think it's a totally new team on the line of scrimmage, but the the Bear game, you mentioned it, they were down 21-0. That means in the three road division games under Pete Carroll, Chicago, Atlanta, and Carolina, they've been outscored 72 to nothing in the first half. Yep. Okay? Yep. I mean, that is, that is almost hard to do, my friend. <laughs> I know, I know. And you know what? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're going to score in the first half yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's going to happen. And, um, you know, I look at this game, and I, I, here's what I really see. I, I do believe that the Falcons' defense is a little better than they were before. I think they're a little bit better than their numbers suggest. Um I also think the Seahawks are on the come on offense, and I believe that they're going to be able to repeat the performance they had last week, and I think that their offense is going to be you know, capable of scoring in the upper 20s, you know, into the 30s in this game. And and uh, it's really going to come down to whether the Seahawks defense, um, you know, 
can hold the. I think they need to hold the Falcons under 30 points. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a, a crazy high number, but the Falcons, when they've scored 30 points or less this year, they're one in five. Wow. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, look, I know you went over this uh, on the website, and I did a little bit of it myself, but obviously this Falcon offense is great. I mean, nobody's going to sit here and say that they're not. But to think that they can't be contained, I mean, first of all, you don't need to go back any further than what the Hawks did do in week six in three of the yep. four quarters, uh, holding these guys to 24. I mean, I would take 24 right now in a heartbeat out of this Falcon <laughs> offense yeah. on, on, on Saturday. But they play yeah. the number four ranked defense in Denver. Uh, they score 23. Uh, number five ranked defense in the Hawks. They scored 24. Uh, they faced the number 13 ranked Eagles defense. They're held to 15 points. There were some games this year where they faced good defenses and put up a decent amount of points. I mean, Arizona in week 12, the Rams in week 14, but who knows where those teams were at mentally by the time those games came around. Bottom line is this is not an unbeatable offense that we're going to see on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's an interesting, like, uh, you know, the way that the perception works, right? I mean, if you rewatch that game in week six where these same two teams played, yes, there's some different players, um, and we can talk about that as well, but the Seahawks, especially on defense, dominated the Falcons, dominated them. There was a quarter, like for three quarters, the Falcons scored three points and had 108 yards. There was the third quarter where they went off and they played great, but they also scored on some really correctable mistakes by the Seahawks. Yeah. You know, they can talk about how they motioned people out and played some games, but you know that was as, as basic as Richard Sherman and Kelsey McCray being on the different you know different page. And yeah, I think those mistakes are pretty correctable. I don't think that it's as easily to correct how Cliff Averill was absolutely throttling their right tackle and how Michael Bennett was throttling whoever they put him against, especially Matthews. And, I, you know, I think that those are more challenging things to correct than what the Seahawks have to correct from that game. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to take the other side. Uh, the third, look, I mean, the first, second, fourth quarter, phenomenal, outstanding. It was 17-3 at halftime. I mean, come on, you can't do better than that against Matt Ryan. But the third quarter, I don't think it was just about the breakdowns in communication. Uh, I mean, you know, those were you know, all drives where once those breakdowns happened, they happened in Seahawk territory. It's not like Matt Ryan is at his own 30 and launching a 70-yard post route and nobody's home and they're all confused and somebody scored. So they were driving the ball on the Seahawk defense in that third quarter. They obviously capped it off maybe with some mistakes by the Seahawks. And if the, if the Hawks don't have those mistakes, maybe those turn into punts or maybe even field goals. But – I, I, Brian, I just wonder what what w- which defense will show up this Saturday because we've seen this defense have issues. Now they're doing it without Earl Thomas. I think you're right. The pass rush is obviously a gigantic factor in this game, but I, I am so curious, man, to see what kind of defense we see out of these guys on Saturday. Yeah, and, and I have uh, the utmost respect for the Falcons' offense. I mean, in my rankings, they're the number one team in the, in the league. Like, just statistically, um, the quality of teams that they've gone up against. I mean, this is a really, really good team. So I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing them. but And, and I agree with you. It was definitely not just breakdowns right. um, for the Seahawks in the third quarter. But I think that if there weren't those mistakes by the Seahawks, there could have been some field goals instead of touchdowns. And the fourth quarter, the Falcons got the ball and weren't able to do anything with it. So it wasn't like they just figured out the Seahawks defense and then just ran rough shot up over them the rest of the time. So, 
anyway, I think if you if you were an objective viewer and you watched that game, uh, you'd think the Seahawks were a significantly better team than than the, the Falcons. And I think the Seahawks are getting back compared to that game, other than Earl Thomas, who's yeah. all anyone wants to talk about. Yeah. The Seahawks are getting back more players at more important positions than the Falcons are from that game. So well, yeah. I mean, let's let's go over that because Rawls was out. Um obviously Procise Procise was, was out. out. We're hoping he comes back. Uh Cam was not Marcel playing Reese. in that game. Marcel Reese, correct. Who else am I you missing here? Cam. You didn't have Michael Bennett after the six minute mark in the third quarter. You didn't have Frank Clark. Yep. Um you know, uh, you didn't have Mike Morgan. Um, well, those are significant, it. significant players. Um, and especially on the offensive side where you look at something like the Falcons being one of the worst teams in the NFL at defending running backs um, out of the backfield um, for, for the past game. And if ProSize can play, he would be huge. Even if he cannot, yeah. I think someone like Marcel Reese could end up being a sneaky key to this game. Well, first of all, in regards to ProSize, I mean, I'm no doctor here, and I feel like a jerk even saying this, but if he doesn't go on Saturday, he better be on death's door for crying out loud. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, look, I know he's got the shoulder injury and all that stuff, and you don't want to do any long-term damage, but, uh, you know, I mean, if he's even remotely ready, uh, if there's a, even a remote chance that he can make a contribution on Saturday, you fly his ass to Atlanta, which I assume he was on the team plane yesterday, and you check him out on Saturday morning, and if he's even close to being able to go you put him in there right absolutely absolutely i think he's that important to to this game and and to the team especially against this opponent i just think he has something really to offer against this group yeah and think about it i mean we talks about this is dan quinn and pete carroll and there's you know mirror images to some extent um what what are the things that have killed the seahawks defense at times over the years running backs out of the backfield yep. in the past game and tight ends what do the Seahawks offense have in spades? Running backs out of the backfield, catching passes, and tight ends. So, you know, Jimmy Graham killed them in the first game. And, and I think that ProSize could be a big part of, of how they really challenge this Falcons defense, who really tries to just keep all the plays in front of them and, and leaves a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of underneath passes to, to be caught. All right. Well, listen, man, obviously Russell's got a ball out. You know, I just think, you know, sometimes we tend to kind of break things down to the nth degree and just kind of forget the obvious stuff, which is the guys that are making the money, the guys that you are giving a large chunk of your salary cap to. We're talking about Jimmy Graham, Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson on offense, uh, on defense. We're talking about Cam Sherman, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, Cliff Averill. You just signed Michael Bennett to an extension, right? Why did you sign Michael Bennett to an extension? For game like this. That's why you signed him. So he can step up and be a wrecking ball and break the other team's offense in games like this. So... I don't think it's too much to ask and too much to say that as a Hawk fan, I'm just I'm 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 expecting the stars for this football team to shine tomorrow. Well, what did Mike Holmgren always say? If you wanted to if if you want to uh, win a Super Bowl, what has to happen? Your best players have to play their best. Yep. And this is no different. Um, I think that's absolutely the case here. I think, you know, you're right. Russell clearly has to step forward, and he's had some pretty good games in, in Atlanta, it just so happens. And I think he, he's comfortable in the Dome, and he's comfortable in those situations. He's had great games in, in Arizona. I think he likes that to play in those kinds of environments. So um, that one's key. 
And then the one that I'm really interested in, Safi, that the, the story I want to see come to, to to reality is, you know, what killed us? What really killed us last year in Carolina? The, the, the thing that really jumps out to me, Justin Britt against Kawan Short. Like, he just was completely yeah. overmatched. I was going to say and, the entire offensive line, to be honest with you, was overwhelmed in that first half. It is true. It's true. And that won't, but I, I will never get that picture out of my head of Kwan Short just leaving Justin Britt grasping at air and, you know, forcing Russell into what was a pick six. But I think there's a chance that Justin Britt could be just an awesome redemption story, complete his redemption story by coming into this divisional road game and being part of why they win. I I would love to see that happen. Well, he's your best offensive lineman. I think, and I think you agree with that, and it's not even close, to be honest with you. I mean, you and I mentioned that a couple of months ago, that Justin Britt was playing like a guy that was going to lock down that center spot for maybe the next four or five years, and he was your best offensive lineman. I mean, the the, the standard uh, as re, uh, in regards to the other guys isn't that high, but I don't know. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that right now Justin Britt is playing like a, a top half of the NFL center, if not more. At least this year, he was a Pro Bowl alternate. Zombie. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's right. He's right there, and might end up with the Pro Bowl tag, depending on on how you know that plays out. So, yeah, he, he's definitely. I mean, he had a great week. I don't know how much you watch rewatched the Lions game, but I mean, he was just mauling people, and him combined with a Fetty on a couple of combination blocks were just you know Glowinski as well. Like that whole middle of the line was really solid, and it just so happens that the Falcons' weakness is the middle of their line. That's where they give up the bulk of their run running yards. Um, That's where the Seahawks like to run. That's where the strength of their line is. And and, and I think that bodes well for them because guess what? No one's talking about it, but the Seahawks didn't were, were had trouble running the ball in the first game against Atlanta back when they had C Mike, back when Russell was in his knee brace, um, his biggest one and, and you know, couldn't do anything. They didn't run a single read option play that entire game. Right. Um, you know, I think that the Seahawks have, you know, a chance to, to, to get that run game back where they, they're used to having it. All right, so Hawks and win. No, go ahead. Finish I that was last thought. Say, I mean, last week we talked about this, right? We talked about the run game, and and it came, it, it happened. So you know, I, I think uh, the, the question here is whether they can do it twice in a row. Only took yourself eighteen minutes to pat yourself on the back. <laughs> I was waiting for you to bring Pretty it up. Amazing, you know, man. Be gracious. Hey, you know what? Though we'll see because uh, Holmgren thinks that that uh, that a, a a large part of the reason why the Hawks ran the ball last week is because the Lions' run defense was terrible, just awful. You know what? Who ranks worse than the Lions? Lions and run defense. The Falcons. The, the Falcons. The Falcons. Ding, ding, ding. All right, buddy. Great job. Uh, hopefully you and I are talking next week about a conference championship game. If not, we'll catch up and uh, wrap up the season, but let's not worry about that right now. All right? No, we're going to be hosting the Packers next week. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Oh, my God. I love it. Great stuff, buddy. Good job, man. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks. All right, Brian Nemhauser. Find him on Twitter, at HawkBlogger, uh, on the web at HawkBlogger.com. Great stuff up on the website, and hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, and again, uh, hopefully next week, we're talking about a NFC Championship game appearance by the Seahawks. We'll talk to you next week, no matter what.